Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word, Lord. Lord, we just thank you, God, that your word is a seed in our hearts of the soil. And I open my heart, Lord. We open our hearts to you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll have to shout now over the rain. Amen. I didn't normally turn it down. A lot of times I'll turn it down because I tend to be a little loud. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, I learned a good lesson the other day. I've been um, feeling discouraged, feeling uh, depressed, feeling uh, not a lot of chutzpah in my faith and my walk with God. Certain times, almost feeling like it's like I don't even want to. I don't even want to go, Lord. I don't. I don't want to pray. I don't want to read the Word. I, I just. Uh, I just feel. Oh, you know. Have you ever felt like that? Is it just me? Amen. Yeah. And um, I, f- I forget what day it was, but there were some. There were certain things that that needed to be done around the house. There were decisions that we needed to make. There were things that I'd been kind of putting off. And by the grace of God, I got working on some of these things. I, I don't know. Uh, part of it was um, going to the hardware store and getting some things that were needed for the garden to get started. Other things were practical things. There was decisions to be made about the children's schedule. Things that I've been putting off. And once I got going, I, I think I might have just opened my Bible just for a few minutes, you know. And once I got going, I started to feel a momentum, you know. And, and I might have even I might have even pulled my phone out and, and played a Christian song while I was working. And I, I went to Lisa and I said, honey, give me something to do. Give me another thing. Give me another thing. She says, oh, I got a whole list. <laughs> she said, oh, Maverick's reengaging. Here's the list, you know. So I said, give me another one. Okay, so she said, well, now wait, there's things to do and there's decisions we have to make. Are you ready? And she said, okay, let's, let's make this decision. Let's make this decision. And I learned and I was reminded that faith without works is dead. Unless we're doing something about what we believe, it's dying. Our faith and the life of God that's in us is either moving and living or stagnating, and dying. There's not three options. There's just two, living or dying. And I was reminded of that, and and God just began to show me that sometimes we have to start moving just to start moving by faith in Jesus' name. And I just want to talk a little bit about the idea of today. Because the Bible tells us that today is the day 
of salvation. The Bible doesn't tell us that yesterday is the day of salvation or tomorrow is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And Paul tells us, I pray that you don't receive the grace of God in vain. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, listen, I don't want you to receive the grace of God in vain. So what does that mean, in vain? That means that there were great efforts made, but they fell by the wayside. They didn't work. It was all in vain. It didn't work. Paul says, listen, I want to teach you something to make sure that this thing works. I don't want it to be in vain, but I want it to be effective. And the word tells us in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we then, as workers together with him, also plead with you. Notice the word plead. I'm begging you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time, I've heard you. And in the day of salvation, I've helped you. So God did two things. He heard us and he helped us. Now watch this. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Find somebody nearby and squeeze them and say, now. Not yesterday. Not tomorrow. Now. Today is the day. Now is the time. When, Lord, when do I get to enjoy freedom? Now. When can I be a son of God? Now. Lord, when can I begin to receive everything that you provided for me? God says right now. You're either going to get it right now or you're never going to get it. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of the thing that you can't see. We get what we believe, and we get it right now. And once we get it, and once we see it, and once we lock horns with it, and once we set our heart upon it, the next step is to move, hallelujah. And if we don't move, it stays there, and it dies. I said, but I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. And it dies right there. Because if you don't use it, you lose it. The Bible tells us faith without works is dead. Go with me to James chapter 1. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. First of all, where does God's word go? in our spirits, in our hearts. But notice, we can't stop there. Notice verse 22, but, say but. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So in other words, he's saying, listen, if you think that you can just listen and get God's word in you and not do anything about it, it's a deception. It's a lie. In other words, it's not gonna work. And there's a great danger of constantly coming and hearing and hearing and hearing and not doing anything about it. And it creates frustration in us. 
For watch this now. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, and I'm preaching to me right now, not you. You're just here along for the ride. If anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So in other words, when we look at God's truth and we receive it and don't do anything about it, we forget it, and it doesn't work. We forget. God says, you're going to forget my word unless you do something about it. You're going to forget my word unless you step out in faith. You're going to forget what it says unless you do something about what you realize is true. Say, don't forget. So now is the time. Today is the day. Notice when God was talking to Jesus, he said, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. God could have said, you're my son. I have begotten you or I have fathered you. No, he said today. Today, Jesus, how do we know Jesus is God's son? Because God said so. God says, he's my son. Today, he is my son. He's on the earth, and he's my son. And you and I are on the earth, and we are God's sons and daughters. And God wants us to know today that we are sons and daughters of the living God. God wants us to enjoy today the freedom that sons and daughters enjoy. When Jesus and Peter were confronted with the temple tax, Jesus said, Peter, I want you to go and I want you to cast a a line into the water. And I want you to get the first fish that you hook. I want you to pull him up. And you're going to find a coin in his mouth. And we're going to pay the temple tax. Now, how many know that's a great miracle? And that God provided supernaturally. But Jesus taught him a lesson there. He said, listen, Peter, the sun's in the earth. Who do they collect taxes from? Foreigners or sons? And what did Jesus say? Foreigners. And then Jesus said, so the sons are free. Peter says, yeah. The sons are free. Say that with me. The sons are free. And we are either going to live in freedom and set other people's free Oh, we're going to die in slavery and watch others die and there's nothing we can do about it and live in frustration. But God wants us today to taste freedom as a free son and daughter of God. First John tells us, beloved, now we are the sons of God. When are we sons and daughters of God? When? Now, right now. We are the sons and daughters of God. And the sons and the daughters of God are free. Jesus said, he whom the son sets free is what? Free indeed. When do we receive this freedom? Now, by faith. Now we are sons and daughters of God. Paul told us in Galatians, in the acceptable time, I've heard you, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Amen? That's a good scripture. Let's go there. In the acceptable time, I'm quoting that wrong. In the fullness of time, the Bible says, in Galatians chapter 4, four. 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Say, I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God for the, for the gals. When? In the fullness of time. When did that time happen? Now, if you study this and you look at the context, he's talking about the old covenant and the law, and the law serving as a steward, as a guardian, uh, almost preparing us for the time that the Son would come forth and set us free. Now is the time that we are to be free. Go to Luke chapter 17 with me. I love this. The disciples wanted more faith. Raise your hand if you want more faith. Can I tell you that Jesus had to adjust their thinking a little bit? He had to say, listen, you're not thinking about faith correctly. You think you need more of it. You don't. You need to know what to do with the faith that you have. Luke 17, 5. And the apostle said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. So Jesus said, and he didn't say that's the wrong question, but we're to understand it by his answer. Listen, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted into the sea, and it will obey you. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, It's not the size or the amount. It's what you do with it. The seed already has the power in it. You just have to do something with it. So what are we going to do with these promises God's given us? What are we doing about the bondages or the oppression in our life? We've got to take God's word, plant it into the ground, and let it grow. And then we can relax and and, and get a Coke and watch it grow. No, we've got to water it. We've got to guard it we got to make plans for what we're going to do with it once it comes up out of the ground. Amen. So we learn two lessons from this. One, we don't need much. Anybody know how big a mustard seed is? Doesn't need to be much. Jesus said you've got to do something with the little bit you have, whatever you have, do something with it. Well, you know... That brother's been, you know, in church for years. He, he can quote all the scriptures. That pastor, you know, he's working on his second PhD. I can't do things like they can do. The enemy wants to overwhelm us with excuses. There will always be an excuse not to act on God's word. There will always be an excuse not to do something with what God has already given us. What do you have in your hand? Plan it. Get it working. So lesson number one is you don't need much. Lesson number two is that you have to do something with it. The little that you have will produce results only when it's used. And notice Jesus said, you can say to this mulberry tree. 
the implication in their question is, Lord, we don't have enough faith to do some things. Can you increase our faith so we can do some things? He said, no, 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 no. You can do some things. No, we can't. No, 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 no. We don't have enough faith. We need you to give us more faith. Then we can start doing things. No, 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 no. Your thinking is wrong. You can do something. You can begin to walk in faith. You've just got to take the little bit that I've already given you and plan it and do something with it and act on it, and it's going to work. So I need to adjust your thinking because it's off. And notice he corrected their thinking. And while I've got your attention, by the way, and which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come into the field, come at once and sit down and eat? Will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me until I've eaten and drink and afterward I'll eat and drink? Does he thank the servant? What's he telling them? You guys are not thinking correctly about this. You're thinking that you should come in and get served. You're thinking that just because you obeyed God, you will somehow receive some sort of a brownie point from God and get some sort of an extra reward. He says, no, your thinking is wrong about that too. You don't understand faith and you don't understand Christian service. So he had to adjust their thinking before he could answer their question. And that's what happened with me. God... I don't feel good. God, I feel the depression. I feel the oppression. I feel hopeless. God, come and help me. God says, listen, you have some faith in you. You've got to do something with it. You've got my word. You've got to plant it. You've got to water it. You've got to get up and move because faith without works is dead. So the widow in Elijah's day, learned this same story. And by the way, how many know that Jesus likes to use a little and make a lot? Jesus, listen, I just want you to get started with the little that I give you and watch me multiply it. He did it with the fishes. And this is the same principle in 2 Kings chapter 4. If you want to go there with me. How many know that the widow had a problem? Do you have problems? We have problems. What are we going to do about our problems? Second Kings 4. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried to Elijah saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor's coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. I mean, oh, she's got a problem. There's a man with authority coming to take her two boys. You're gone. You two go into slavery. And there's nothing she could have done about it. It was a right. The husband was in onus to the master. The husband was dead. He, they still owe. They have two able bodies. They're gone. She goes to the prophet, says, I have a problem. What are you going to do about it? And notice how he answered Notice he's, and by the way, the implication is she didn't even ask. She just read him the problem. She says, excuse me, God, prophet, here's the problem. And she listed it. And then notice Elijah's answer in verse 2. He said to her, what shall I do for you? In other words, the obvious answer here is, what's God going to do about it? Say that with me. What's God going to do about my problem? Are you ready? 
Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Notice her estimation of what she had. Nothing um, but a jar. And that's exactly what we think. We think, I don't have anything. God, what are you talking about? I'm I'm praying because I need you. Hello? I don't have anything. That's why I'm calling on you. God says, no, you do. What did the disciples say? Listen, we only have a few small fish. They said, a few and small. Let me, let me, Lord, in case you're wondering, we don't have a couple of plump big ones, and we don't have a good baker's dozen. We have a few small. And that's the way we think. When the negativity sets in, when the discouragement sets in, listen, there is a paralyzing force to witchcraft that the enemy throws at us to get us uh, discouraged and to get us paralyzed. Fear and intimidation. He wants us frozen. I used to play a video game, and one of the guys, his secret power, his name was Sub-Zero, and he would go, and make this noise. And the, the ice would come out, and it freeze the guy. And then he'd just walk up and go, boom, and he'd crush him. Have you ever seen the movie The Chronicles of Narnia? How many know that the, what was the white witch's power? She, it was a, fro, Narnia was frozen. They couldn't live. There was no life there. She froze the people. And the enemy wants to come and he wants to freeze us and he wants to bring us into a place of stagnation and say, fear, you can't. If you do that, they're going to get mad at you. Fear, you can't. You don't have what it takes. Fear, you can't. God didn't tell you to do that. You didn't really hear him. Fear, you'll fail. He comes to us and he gives us this fear and the whole purpose of the fear is to get you to stop. He did it with Elijah. Jezebel came after the great victory. What did she say to him? She said, I'm going to kill you. And what did Elijah do? He got up and he took off. And the next thing you know, he's hiding under a tree saying, God, take my life. I want to die. The depression got so bad he was suicidal. That's what the enemy wants. He wants you to get so discouraged and so depressed that you just want to give up and die. But how many know the angel came along, hallelujah, and he touched him. And the minute he touched him, he woke up. And God wants to come along and he wants to touch us. And he wants to bring us alive again. And I'm reminded of that movie where that lion went into the gates of hell and he began to, he blew on those vessels. And when he blew on them, they woke up and they became alive. And once they became alive, they got into the battle and they won the battle. I think a freeze tag. I mean, once you tag somebody, they're frozen. But what has to happen? Somebody on the right team has to come along, and they got to tag you, and then you can run around, and you can fight, and you can win. But you got to move, honey, or you're going to get tagged again by that devil. Say, you got to move. We've got to keep moving. The Bible says that the just or my righteous ones live by faith. So God says, listen, you're either going to get busy living or you're going to get busy dying. But if you're one of my righteous ones, you're going to live step by step by step by step. One step after another. God says, you've got to keep moving because 
Psalm 37. The, uh, the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. So God came to Elijah and he said to him, what are you doing here? And the implication is, you don't belong here, Elijah. And then what did he tell him? He said, I want you to get up and I want you to go. And he gave him three simple steps. I want you to anoint Hazel in Syria. I want you to anoint Jehu. And then I want you to anoint Elijah. I have three things for you to do. And I want you to knock them down one by one. And that's how we got to start our day. When that alarm clock goes off, that's the first enemy right there. Get him out of the way. Win the first battle. And that's Jocko Willing. That's a Navy SEAL. He says, you got to start the battle early on the devil. Win the first victory. Win a victory in the morning. Start moving. Do something. Because the enemy wants to paralyze us. Open up the word. I remember a Norville Hayes. He said, the minute I wake up, I don't wait even one second. He said, I start praising Lord. God, I praise you. I worship you. Oh, God, hallelujah. I'm not talking the minute he opens his eyes. And he attributed that to the reason why he couldn't get married. He says, I don't know if a girl's ready for me, brother. <laughs> you imagine that? Your spouse, you, you're trying to sleep, and all of a sudden you hear somebody right next to you, he said, you don't need Maxwell House. Just start praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Why? The lesson is right here. Listen, your maidservant, back to the widow here. I don't have anything but a jar of oil. You hear what God's saying? God's saying, listen, I, you, you have a problem. Your two sons are going into slavery. How am I going to bring a miracle to you? I can't do it unless I use something that you have, and I get you to do something with it. God, it's just a one jar. I know. Let's start with that, and we'll multiply the rest. Hallelujah. I want you to go out, and I want you to get more, but let's start with that one. Start pouring in that one, then we'll go get some more. Not just a few either. Say not just a few. And that's what God is looking for in our church. My brother was, uh, he went on a trip to Peru with a prophet. And they had a prophetic conference down in Peru. And he got to know some of the church leaders. And, and they were just doing some wonderful things. He's like, man, this is just great. What's going on in this church? I mean, you're transforming this city. And um, they brought to the school board this very progressive agenda, and they had some signatures. The secular folks did. And they were looking to change the curriculum in the schools. And they had a whole list of names. So the pastor's wife goes in and knocks on the, um, the legislator's door and said, we'd like to know why the change in our schools. And they said, listen, we have a list of all these names. And this is a, I mean, there, there's hundreds of names on here. And she said, give me a few days and I'll be right back. And she went all around that region and she showed up with triple the names that didn't want that new curriculum in those schools. She even ran for Congress and won. 
they're transforming things down there. The, God is moving. The church is growing. And the pastor said, I just don't know if this will work in America, though. My brother said, why? And he said, well, people in America are very busy. They're, they're kind of just they're doing their own thing, and they, they don't want to be bothered. Go to all your neighbors. Find the empty vessels. Don't gather just a few. So God wants us to come into his house as an empty vessel, say, Lord, here I am. I'm ready to move. Lord, here I am in the presence of the prophet, in the presence of Jesus. I want your spirit to flow into me so that we can make something happen here on the earth for the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. Say start moving. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths so that that which is lame may not be dislocated. You ever wake up in the morning and have your arm, you reach over and you feel something and, and it feels like there's somebody else's arm or hand in your bed, and you go, whoa! <laughs> what happened to that limb? It fell asleep. How did it fall asleep? Your head was on that thing, or you got it tucked under your arm or your back, or you were on it, and the blood wasn't able to flow there, so there was no life in there, so there was no feeling there. And listen what the Word of God says in Hebrews 12. you got to strengthen that hand. So number one, get your eyes fixed in the right direction. There's power in focus. Set your eyes in the right, set it on God's Word. Listen, when Jezebel came to threaten Elijah, the Bible says he saw it. The Bible doesn't say he heard it. It says he saw it. Look it up later. 1 Kings chapter 20. He saw it, and then he ran. He didn't just hear it, but that got into his heart. He saw it. And the Bible says, listen, that the lamp of the body is the eye. And if your eye be single, Jesus said this, your whole body will be full of light. What's the, what's the message? What's the point? Whatever we focus on has power to transform us on the inside. So what are we focusing on? Listen, God, I'm a member of the body of Christ. I want your spirit to flow through me. Jesus said, get moving and I'll flow through you. Dislocation. Somebody say amen. So the rudder is, a, and I'll close in just a minute here. Really, we only have to make a small adjustment. It's not a big one. It's just a small adjustment. The Bible says that our tongue is like a rudder. And the tongue is a way that we do something about what we believe. We make confession. There's a small rudder, and it guides a large ship. And very often when we listen and understand principles of faith, it's very reactionary. We let problems add up. And then all of a sudden, we look at the problems, and then we begin to confess and throw God's word at the problems. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think uh, in order to back up a little bit, God says, instead, you see, you are set over here. 
you were looking and set and focused in the wrong direction. And that's how you got into trouble in the first place. God says, I want you to change that rudder and set it upon Jesus and set it upon my word. Set it first. Set it early. And then start to move in that direction with your tongue. And then you're going to find that you're moving in the right direction. In the right direction. Amen. And listen... Say it doesn't take much. And the last point, I was listening to Brother Lance Wallnow and for his birthday. And again, I'm talking about the power of focus. And then once we set our focus upon moving in that direction, he, w- he received a birthday gift. And I'll, I'll add this in closing. Somebody bought him a, a, a ticket to drive race cars on a race car track. I think David got that one time for his birthday. Yeah. And he's driving in this extremely fast car, and he's in the car with someone who is a professional driver. And that's part of the deal. You know, you get to drive the car, but you also get to get coached by a professional driver. And the race car driver says, listen, there's a turn coming up that people generally struggle with at this speed. And some people crash. They end up in the wall. But if you can not look at the turn, but if you can look right beyond the turn, you will successfully manage the turn and not end up in the wall. And Lance said he was really cued in and listening to what he was saying, and he was able to successfully not look at the turn, which is the problem, amen? But he was able to look beyond that, and because he did, he was able to manage that turn in a race car traveling probably, I don't know, 120 miles per hour. And what's the lesson? We've got to set the rudder and focus on the promise and begin to turn and begin to move in that direction and not get distracted by the problem because the problem wants to distract us. Can I tell you that just to go back to, and I know I'm using a couple of different stories. I hope you're with me. Just to go back to Jezebel and her threat upon Elijah, do you know that all that trouble was worth nothing more than to distract the man of God and get him away from obeying God and doing what God had called him to do. She got him all the way up on Mount Horeb. That's 40 days of walk. And some of us have gone and ventured out way beyond where we ought to be. Why? Because the enemy's distracted us. He's got us off on this and that and the other thing. God says, I want you to set your focus upon my word and begin to move and take steps of faith in the right direction. In closing, that's the third time. He who observes the wind, Ecclesiastes 4, 6, will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. The New Living Translation says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. There's never going to be a perfect time or a perfect situation or a perfect atmosphere to obey God and begin to work the works of God in faith. We have to step out in faith and get moving in Jesus' name. Amen? God bless you. I hope that helped you. I, I, I know that it helped me earlier this week. Father, we thank you that you're with us, Lord. We thank you, Father, that, that you're encouraging us, Lord, to obey your word. 
Thank you, God, that you've planted your word in our hearts and that each man has been given a measure of faith and that we can do something with that faith. Lord, I thank you that you said, Lord, in your word that you don't want that faith to wither and die. You don't want it to be dislocated, but you're encouraging us today to begin to strengthen that arm, to begin to move those limbs, to begin to stretch out and to get ready to move. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your encouragement and thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.